Welcome to the chase. Chiefs is a wide oak podcast aimed at specifically giving you an insight into what makes great leaders and entrepreneurs in a variety of organisations tick. We call them Chiefs. My name is James Trifatelli and together with my white arc co-chief, Joe Hands, we're going to attempt to take you on a journey and talk to as many chiefs across as many industries as we can to give you an insight into A, what makes them tick and B, what makes their enterprises thrive and more importantly, what they've learned along the way. The Chiefs. Welcome to another edition of The Chiefs, and I'm so privileged today to have the great Tom Lightbelt on today's episode. So welcome, Tom. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm super excited. Great to have you. Tom's got the world's most amazing story and journey. You know, he's an entrepreneur, an online educator, publisher, internet ventures, music producers. You've published a book, Four Hours of Work Week, Smart Brand Marketing Podcast. The real question I should open up with Tom is, is there anything he hasn't done? He's an SEO guru, but without further ado, Tom, I normally open up by asking, what's your story? Uh, a story is, it's been interesting. I was, I was born in Poland. It was a communist country back then. And back in those days, we didn't really have good ways to make money in that country when, when you're not in that party. So my mom was okay. She was a teacher, but my dad was all over the place. He was doing like taxis and deliveries and smuggling things in and out of Germany um, and other countries too, which I was a part of sort of too. Like my job on a few runs was to, to lay in the back seat and sort of wait until we get to the customs. And as soon as they started checking it, I was like acting like I'm asleep, which I kind of was sometimes, and just start screaming and wailing so they wouldn't check the car properly. And yeah, and then he would take me to the soccer stadiums in Poland and I would help him push this stuff. So that was my like first venture into the business kind of world. I seen that you can get something cheaper here and you can sell it more here and we have a decent life. But the country was just messed up. Like. We had restrictions on food, so my parents would smuggle pigs from a farm to a forest to get us food. Like It was just not a great place to be. And then we moved to the U.S. We had two choices because my, my background is also German, and then I had family in Australia and, and America and Sweden, like different places. So I, we had a way out. It, it took a long time because my parents have been trying for 10 years. That's why I left when I was 10. But at, at those crossroads, we had a way to go to Germany. Our passports were ready or go to America because we finally got approved for a green card after 10 years. And we decided on an American trip, which I think was good for my businesses. But I think for my parents, they would much more prefer being closer to home. So when we got to America, things were pretty horrible too. It, it didn't get any better. Like our family was not helpful whatsoever. My parents worked a lot of crappy minimum wage or below minimum wage jobs. So I was pretty much alone in the apartment anytime I was in that school. Like they would give me a key. When I leave, they were gone. When I came back, they weren't there yet. I went to sleep and I guess they came back after. So I would see them on the weekends. It was, it was not, not great. And it made me really think of why should I work a regular job ever in that country? if we're still broke and they're doing three, right? So it was like the seed that got planted in my head. And, and it was kind of hard for my teachers after that to speak to me and like, oh, what are you gonna be when you grow up? What are you gonna go to college? I was like, well, one, I'm not gonna be you because you're, you're here talking to me, I'm like 12. 
So that's not going to happen. Two, I'm not going to be in a regular job because that doesn't do anything. I can see my parents. And I, I, I did the corporate world a little bit later on, but for different reasons, right? But it planted this type of seed. And then I kind of gone through all the stuff I wanted to. I got into the music business. I became a sound engineer, worked with some of my favorite artists. And that saying, don't meet your heroes, is kind of true. So that was the one thing about the music industry. Like, I loved working in it, but I kind of wish I haven't met some of these people (laughs) (laughs) because it it ruined their music for me. And after a couple of years, I felt like getting back in business. And I was always a pretty good salesperson. I was very persuasive when I was younger all throughout my, you know, my teens, but I I didn't really know why it worked. So I came up with this idea that I'm going to start getting hired by all these different corporations. I lived in New York at the time and in Brooklyn, like Nestle, Unifirst, all these big MetLife, these big firms, and they would train me. I would kind of figure out how to sell their products. And this was inside sales, outside sales and retail. I made sure I hit every single vertical and then I would leave. So I would get training, go on the streets. And just when I started getting really good, I would leave, which the managers hated. But I was like, I came for a reason. They wanted me for a reason. We got what we wanted out of it. And I I jumped like that between, I think, like eight or nine companies until I sort of felt, I was like, I'm I'm pretty good now. Like I can sell stuff, which I completely don't care about in any vertical. I know how to hit the streets in Brooklyn and Queens and the Bronx. I mean, in places where people do not treat salespeople very well. And after that, I'm like, I'm going back on my own. So the first impulsive thing I did was buy a coffee shop. And it was just an impulsive thing. I was like, oh, I'm getting back in business. And I forgot how much retail sucked. And I didn't realize the food spoilage element, which I've never really touched before. And I also don't like coffee. So this was all just like a very impulsive, like I'm getting back in business. And it didn't work out very long. Like after a year, I'm like, I'm selling this thing. I hate it. The thing they don't tell you about a brick and mortar is that, especially in America, I don't know about all the other countries, but when you have something that's very tangible like that, the government is all over you, right? Everything from the fire department to the unemployment, you're like every single thing they can go after you because you have something they can touch, right? And I started seeing some of my friends starting to do stuff on the internet and they were kind of untouchable because no one really knew what they were doing. Selling SEO services was like black magic. (laughs) The government had no clue back then. This was like 15 years ago, like what that even was. And the main thing for someone that traveled so much, because I lived in a lot of different places, being locked down in a town and having to make sure my coffee shop is open and everything, it just became something I really couldn't do much longer. So I was like, I need to get into this freedom of location part too, because my friends just made me feel so bad about myself. And with SEO, I mean, I could sell. So I thought, what, I'm going to go to all the places that I know, the restaurant I go to, my mechanic, all of them. I'm going to sell them on these SEO services and they're going to pay me. I'm going to learn. And that's how everything started from that. Like I sold all of them on the idea and then I went quickly and learned and figured it out. And back then it was easy. SEO was super easy. Like you could rank someone like in a smaller town with just nonsense. So. I wouldn't always recommend that way, but in that industry, because I spoke with my friends like, oh, dude, it's a piece of cake. Just put a couple articles, get a couple links, they'll be fine. And I was like, okay, I'll figure this out. And everything kind of moved on from there. All the other ventures, the publishing, which was on Kindle, the marketing agency, everything kind of went on from this. I want to have some constraints in place 
with my businesses. And the first one was the location. Yep. And then the second one started becoming kind of time zones and how many employees I want. Like, and these change, these vary throughout as, as we grow. But it was like my initial thing. Like, I don't want many employees. I yep. don't want to be locked into a one location. I want to be able to work whenever I like these things we kind of dream of. And still I hit a lot of walls and still I built businesses I hated. So I had to recalibrate a lot of these constraints even more later on. Because first lesson, and I think everyone listening to this knows, if you don't control where you're going, you're not gonna like where you end up every single time. If you just kind of start coasting and be like, oh, this is great. You will wake up one day saying like, this is definitely not what I planned. I love that comment. If you don't control where you're going, you're not going to like where you'll end up. It's like the sailor who sails with no sail. What You can't catch the wind if you haven't got a sail to actually control it. Uh, i tell you what, uh, there's so many questions I've got for you just from your first part of your story. Your mum was a teacher, so I now know where you got your desire to be this lifelong learner because you know, I love the way you said, hey, I went and got sales jobs so that I could learn. So obviously, you got that from your mum and your dad. He was, without a doubt, an entrepreneur. Between mum and dad, they must be very, very proud. But I love the story around being lying in the boot of the car and being trained to scream to create enough emotion. How, how personal and passionate is that? And I, yeah, his whole lifelong learning, do what you love, the freedom of location. So you've done so many things. One of the questions that comes to mind for me, Tom, straight up is, what do you tell people you do? Well, it, it depends on when you ask me. Right. I always make sure I have a very clear and easy pitch because I've learned this in sales. So at the moment, I tell people that they're like, what do you do? Well, I'm like, I'm like, I'm the guy you call when your online course is not selling because we have a marketing agency for online courses. And that explains everything. If it's not selling, I'm the guy. So people know, like, I always make sure I can throw this out and be very memorable within seconds. That's the one thing I've learned. No paragraphs. If you need to explain it and a five-year-old can't understand it, It doesn't work, right? So, but but again, this changes depending on when you ask me. Two, three years ago would have been different, seven years different, but right now we're focusing on this and it it makes an impact. Like people remember it. Like I'll tell you this. I went to a conference uh, two years ago. That was like the last live in-person conference I went to. And I had the chance of sponsoring it. And people were doing weird stuff, like they were giving pens and stuff, like which I get books. What I did is I created a mouse pad with my face on it and gave it to every single person at the conference. So it was such a weird thing where even the, the organizer came on the thing. He looked at this. He's like, what in the world? <laughs> I love it. But every single person came up to me and like, dude, you're the dude with the mouse pad. I love it because that's you. It's me. It was a picture of me saying we market online courses and it just went to every single person, like all my friends at the conference were like, oh man, this has got to be Tom's. As soon as they like just heard people laughing at something like, oh man, which again, it's very simple, memorable. Like that's one of the part of sales that I think helps me a lot. Like I really do know how to narrow things down to the basics and simplicity sells, right? You want to be simple, but not more simpler. Like it's kind of hard to get that middle ground, but I find my sales background, what I concentrated on for so long, like it makes me very fearless in a lot of ways because I know I can sell. And as long as you're selling, you're in business. I love love that you're underpinning it around your ability to keep it simple, be really clear and proud of the fact that you're in sales because you are, regardless of the the industry or the vertical, who cares? Actually, a question I've got for you, Tom, 
what's changed? So you've been an entrepreneur really since, yeah, I would argue from the moment that training started for you with mum and dad, you've been entrepreneurial, that spirit. But what's changed for you? As, like, has your motivation changed along the way? What changed is I'm much more strategic and less stupid. <laughs> and by stupid, I mean the hustle your way to success stupid, Yeah. right? Which you just work and you don't even know what you're doing yeah. just to stay busy. So being very, very strategic is, is the one thing that's changed when I look at myself. And my friend gave me this kind of analogy about, it's, it's like a story about a bus, but when people, basically when we start anything, we get on the bus, we're in the first seat, right? And then as years go by, we get to the second seat, third seat, fourth seat, but eventually things become super hard, super hard. And we can't get from the, like the fourth to the fifth seat. It's so hard. We just hate our business and stuff. And we see another different bus driving next to us. And we're like, oh, people are so happy on that bus. Everything looks so much better. And we get off this bus and get on that one. And we don't realize we're back in the first seat. And maybe we can jump from the first one to the fourth one very quickly, but again, we're gonna be stuck and can't get into the fifth one because we didn't break through these walls. And people keep jumping buses instead of just sticking with the hard things, right? So by being strategic, I've learned one, to stay on the bus, lead into the harder things, as long as it makes sense long-term and not be this guy, which is cute when you're 20, like, hey, I'm an, this entrepreneur who has does multiple things. Because when you're 40, 50, it's like, what, what, what went wrong? Like, why, why haven't you stuck around with anything? So it, it's these things kind of change with age. Because again, when, when someone's like, I get into businesses and like this multiple entrepreneur when you're 20s, ambitious, it's very nice, but it's not the same when you're old. It, people start looking at you like, yeah, something went wrong there. And for me, it was the hustle mentality. It was very hard to unlearn being a hustler and start being a business guy. I actually love that analogy of the bus. I've not heard that analogy before, Tom. And, and, and if I think about your story, that the way you described it earlier, I mean, I'd love to explore, maybe we do another podcast on the music industry and now why you hate some of those, not hate, <laughs> you didn't use the word hate, I, I've just used it, why you don't like some of the music, because maybe I should shift to some of my music taste off the back of what you've learned. <laughs> but I think about your early career and that hustle from music into the cafe, into the different sales jobs and what have you, and then really the last 15 years have been you're right, less of a hustle and more strategic. And now I understand why. If I had to ask you, what would be one bit of advice you'd give a young entrepreneur who's in that hustle right now, who may or may not be able to see it, what advice would you give them that you might've given yourself at that moment? I wouldn't listen. listen. I, I wouldn't listen. But like what you have to realize is that by doing multiple things, eventually, like you're going to get stuck much quicker because you don't put your focus in any single area. And anytime I've seen people make really, really good money quickly is when they actually focused. They took all these other businesses that weren't quite performing. They took them behind the barn and they shut them. Yeah. Right. What it reminds me is like when I was working in MetLife as an insurance agent and we would get leads and we'd have to follow up on the leads, right? You had two different types of agents, the successful one who kept on following up on the leads until they burnt out as quick as possible, right? That, that was the plan or sold. And then you had the different agent who was not very successful, who held on to all these leads, thinking that whenever he needs it, he can follow up and he'll make sales. And they never remembered him. 
right? So burning through all your bad ideas and your mediocre ideas and then sticking with the main one. That's, that's the fastest path to success. It's actually in some ways much safer because once you get really known in your industry, you can make a lot of small pivots and they become much, much easier. You don't have to start over. All right. But anytime you're jumping industries, you're kind of new. If you're doing stock trading or doing business or in the homeschooling, Amazon selling, like there's so many different things. You're not really known in any one niche. And I always feel kind of sad for some of the people I, you know, that come to ask me like, oh, I've been in like selling on Amazon for like five years and I've just started getting known. And I want to get into like homeschooling because online education is big now. I'm like, why in the world? Like people are just now that third seat seems out of reach and you're trying to jump buses again. I'm like, stop it. Just stop the foolishness. Get in there. Look, it's going to hurt, but it's going to hurt now or it's going to hurt later. Let it hurt now. Get through it and then it'll be okay. Like, trust me, the things you're struggling with right now, if you keep on this path, next year, they're going to be just business as usual. Yeah. It's such good advice, Tom, because... It's funny, right? You see people pivot and jump and what have you, and they wonder why they can't get that stability. So your advice around focus, be narrow. I remember someone giving me this advice saying it was the million dollar bit of advice they said was the difference between being a superstar and not is when your customers have to say, remind me who you are again, because you hang on to the lead scenario. Whereas what your scenario is, make a lasting impression here and now, be in the moment, be clear on what you are, and hang around, right? I, I reckon it's massive. What mistake do you wish you could have avoided that some of the entrepreneurs, it's probably a different way of asking the last question, but what, what mistake did you make that you wish you could have avoided outside of jumping around? All of my biggest mistakes came from that hustle mentality. All of them, all of them. Like, let, let me kind of tie this one and the last one back together, right? So email marketing is huge for almost every single company, every single entrepreneur, right? And anytime I get asked, like, what is the most important thing about emails when you send them out? And they will ask me, is it the body? Is it the headline? Is it how you pitch? Is it value? Is it this? And this is all hustle mentality, right? Like, how do I, how do I make more money? What's, what's the best thing? How do I make them open more? And the answer now is who the email is coming from. What's the more of this a strategic thing, right? So I'm not like, if people respect you, trust you, and really want to work with you, you can just send hey in the subject line and they're going to open this thing very quickly. There's no need to get fancy with it. And, and all my mistakes before were just like not thinking about things in that way. It was more about like, how do I leverage or how do I arbitrage or how do I make some quick cash with this and that? And, and that's where a lot of these smaller businesses just didn't work well. It was me and a bunch of hustlers trying to kind of out hustle each other. Right. I see so many people doing that. What's that like? I want to get rich tomorrow mentality, which, yeah, you'll get rich tomorrow after 10 years of work. <laughs> I love it. Any other way, it's just, yeah, you might get lucky, but as luck has it, you'll probably lose it all. It's funny, your analogy around email marketing is a really good one. I've, I've spent a career in digital marketing across lots of different domains and what have you. And your point there is so valid and simple, right? What if I know Tom and I send him an email, he'll open it if he trusts me. If I have to market to Tom on email, I think of the 2,000 spam emails I get a day, and I think the analogy is right there in front of us, but we, we get sucked into it, don't we? And that's about not being clear. It's not, Yeah, it's that thing, right? Like, So when you try to trick people to get onto your email list, 
then you keep trying to trick them to open your emails. Yeah, and, but it's right? all trickery, right? Yeah, it's all trickery, and this is that hustle thing, right? But it's sort of the way that the media presents business, right? It's like hustle hard and fake it till you make it, all this stuff. And yeah, I mean, initially, maybe, maybe. But at some point, you will need to actually churn into a real business person if you want to sustain this and build something real. So all the mistakes, all the advice, they all kind of focus around that pivot, right? Like you're this personal, like, but I want to start taking this more seriously. I'm going to get the foundations right. And yeah, it's hard. Like it's much easier to put a course on Udemy when then it sells for three bucks and you devalue yourself. It's much easier to put a product on Amazon and then Amazon can see your sales and copycat you in a second. It's much easier to do all these things, but your business is unstable. It's all a hustle and you might get lucky. You might sell before it collapses. You might make some money, but it's not a real business. And transitioning it to your own thing, it's going to be much, much more difficult. But if it's done right, no one can touch you. I just think that your advice is so rich. I also love in your story that listed at the outset, so I apologize, Tom, he's formally qualified in two or three vocations and degrees. And Tom, I often think it myself, I went out and did three degrees because I thought, son of an Italian immigrant family, I wanted to learn everything I could at university, right? I then learned through life that you learn life Yes, a little bit through hustling, but then you learn in life through experience and through delivering great, valuable outcomes for your clients. That's how you really learn. I'd love to actually get your perspective because now you've actually, obviously, your new ventures are very much about giving back and from an education perspective. Talk to me about the online courses and the marketing skills and how that sort of came to be. So back when I was working with a lot of SEO clients, a lot of marketing clients, we were a very broad agency very just very broad and and it was okay we made decent money we showed results but there was this one time where someone came up to me and said like why would i ever hire you over jay abraham and for people who don't know he's a very respected marketer and i said there's no reason whatsoever that i can think of if you can afford him because i would probably go with jay abraham too right and this was kind of lucky in some ways. One of the SEO clients was a Muay Thai champion, which is a fighting style from Thailand. Um, this was in Atlanta. And I did a really good job for him. We became friends. And it's like how everything happens in relationships. And he came up to me once. He's like, what if we set online training for Muay Thai? And this was like seven, eight years ago. The tools didn't exist that they do now. It was very difficult. I said, mm, I don't know. But as with anything, I did it. We, we put it out there. Then he's like, I want you to market this thing. I was like, I've never marketed an online course before, but again, fine, I'll try it. And through a lot of fumbling, we kind of got it together. And I realized by through getting a couple of referrals and doing this again, I was like, course marketing is quite different from regular marketing because you're enrolling people in education, not selling them something. So the whole process is a bit different. But then I thought about the Jay Abraham thing. And I was like, well, if you ask me, why would I hire Jay Abraham over you in the course marketing space? because Jay doesn't know this space. He would probably hire me. And that's when the light bulb went off and I went super hard into it. And yeah, I became a pretty big fish in a smaller pond quickly, which it's not always a great thing, but it was great at that moment. Just just amazing, but you've stayed very narrow since, right? So when I say narrow, you've been very, very focused and disciplined. Very, yeah, very focused. And and back when we started, because I did a lot of research on the market, we had about 80,000 potential clients, which out of those, maybe 5% 
could actually go with us, which was enough. But during COVID, that quadrupled. And sometimes it's just being in the right place at the right time. But again, I, I made that pivot before. So it's like saying, yeah, if I bought Ethereum back six years ago, I would be rich. Well, why didn't you? You know, because we all had the same opportunity. So mm -hmm. I always look at luck in those ways because I, I find, and you probably see this with your listeners and with yourself, the smarter we get and the better we do at what we train, the more of an imposter syndrome we have. And we start questioning how much of this was due to luck, which probably a lot, but there were a lot of people in our same exact positions that could have got the same luck if they only pulled the trigger at that point. I'm not talking about the major population because that's very hard, far reach, but I'm saying in our industry, there were probably at least three, 400 people, at least in Australia, in America, in the same exact spot that could have made that move, but they did not. So like luck definitely has things to, like there's a role to play with, but you can't, making that decision that that was all you, all you. It's funny, you've made me think of something, Tom, my dad, an Italian immigrant that I've said a few times, like your mom and dad, Polish immigrants, he used to always say to me, there's no such thing, son, as luck. He'd say, if you, if you show me a lucky person, I'll show you a person who works hard, has got discipline, has fallen over, has learned from their mistakes and gets up every time and reinvents himself in a better way. So I actually think your description of that is spot on. I, I tell you what, Tom, I could talk to you for days because you really are inspiring. I promised everybody, Tom, that I'd limit this to 25 minutes and I'm at 30. So I've got one more question to ask you, and it's a very simple question. I was going to put a word forward. What's one word you would use, Tom Liber, to describe yourself? One word. Unique. Unique. I love it. You definitely are unique. I would also throw in inspiring person who absolutely delivers value, authentic, results-driven, practical. Thank you so much for being on the Chiefs. And I have no doubt that we will uh, talk again. And a lot of the listeners will probably reach out to you because I think some of your learnings, they could certainly learn from themselves. Tom Leibert, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. And, and I'm very open. Like if anyone wants to reach out, let's chat. It's always unknown, like where these conversations can lead to in these introductions. So I'm, I'm very open to people reaching out. You're a gentleman, Tom Leibert. Stay safe and uh, I'm going to buy the apartment downstairs from you. It sounds wonderful. <laughs> awesome. <laughs>